I want you to go in your Bible this morning to the book of 1 Samuel again, or no, the book of Exodus, I'm sorry. Exodus chapter 25. We've been ministering as the Spirit of the Lord has directed us over the last few weeks on a message entitled Heart for the House. I want to continue and very likely complete it today. And I know that God is speaking. And I know that God is moving. I love the word of the Lord. Because most of us live in a plane like this. One day, God's going to do something. I hear preachers all the time, God's going to, God's going to, God's going to. Well, I believe God's doing. We may not be seeing everything we want to see, but God's doing. And if we always put God into the future, and that's the only place he's going to move, then you're never going to see what you desire to see, even in the present. And if you're always looking for somebody else to come in or for us to get somewhere else for miracles and the power of God to be demonstrated, then we're never going to see it because your confidence is in somebody somewhere else instead of where God has placed you and the God that is among us. Because God could use anybody in this room that he chooses to use. And so in the book of Exodus, We've been preaching where God said, he said, let the people that are willing, let those that are willing, God speaks to Moses after they come up out of Egypt. Let those that are willing bring me an offering and from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And he tells them what to bring. You know, sometime we got this idea. I just want to give God anything. Or this is what I want to bring in. There comes a time when God says, nope, this is what I want. This is what I'm after. And this is what I'm going to use. Because this is the outcome that I'm going to bring. And then he says in verse 9 or verse 8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I can dwell among them. According to all the pattern, listen, according to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all of its furnishings, just so shall you make it. Thank you, Miss Tanya. Now, I know many of you would say, Pastor, that's Old Testament. But that Old Testament was pointing to our day. Matter of fact, it's been said like this for you that are in the room that may not understand. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Everything basically from Genesis to Revelation is a revelation of Jesus and what he desires to do in our life and what he desires to do in the earth. So God's people have been in bondage for these 400 years. They come out and God said, this is what I want to build. I want to dwell among my people. That word dwell there actually means I want to make my home among them. I want to move in your house. I don't want to just visit. I want a habitation. I want to be able to say 720, if I could use it this morning like this, 720 Bertling Street is where I live. But it's really deeper than that because whatever your address is or wherever you are, that's where God says, I want to be. And I don't want to just be somebody religious. I want to be everything you need in the place that I have put my presence. 
question is, he said, build me a sanctuary. Now I walked through with you over the last couple of weeks that there's four words that could go hand in hand, sanctuary, tabernacle, temple, and synagogue. And I gave you definitions of those, but this is really, I believe what God is saying. Is there somebody in this room this morning that is willing to make themselves a sacred place under the Lord? That you're going to set yourself apart and say, my life belongs to Jesus. I don't belong to this world. I belong to him. I believe he's asking us as the word tabernacle simply means to host the presence of God. I believe he's asking us in this room, not just us as a congregation. I believe he's asking us as individuals. Will you host my presence in your lives? You know what that means? It doesn't mean I just got him in me, but it means I'm following him and I'm letting him work through me. Not only does it, does he ask, will somebody host my presence? The word temple simply means this. It means to be a place of worship. I believe he's asking Christ church. I believe he's asking many of you, will you be a place of worship for me? That everything in you, everything out of you, every movement you make becomes a worship unto God. I believe he's asking us that question. Will you build? Here, here's the last place. Will you be a place of prayer? This is what synagogue means. Will it, you be a place of prayer? I'm not talking about religious stuff. I'm talking about somebody that's not afraid to come before God to ask him for everything they have need of. Will you be a place of instruction? A place that I can take you deeper, further, that I can reveal more of myself to you than you've ever gone through my word. Will you be a place that I can touch others through you because that's what the synagogue was. It was a place of prayer. It was a place of instruction in the word and it was a place of community and the needs of the community met. I believe God is asking us will you as an individual I don't care what your neighbor doesn't do I'm asking you this morning will you be that person that God can move his presence into? So if we're going to then it's going to take a willingness. God isn't forcing himself on anybody. The word willing really means, it means to yoke yourself with God. I'm yoked with him. In other words, I'm a partner with God. Yeah, God, I'm in your business and you're my business, but I'm going to yoke myself to you. I'm going to help you fulfill what you desire to do in the earth. He said, let those that are willing. See, sometime I remember reading a story about Ken Hagen years ago. Everybody loves Kenneth Hagen, knows how powerful a man he is. And he was in a place he was struggling one day at, with a certain area of his life. And, and he was quoting the scriptures. He was going at it, going to church, preaching every night. And, and he just wasn't seeing the breakthrough that he wanted to see. And this is what the Lord spoke to him. He said, well, yeah, you're doing all that, but you're not willing. You're forcing my hand. You're, you're forcing things. You're not willing. Your heart isn't willing to follow after. Your heart's not willing to do the things that I'm asking you. And he got in a repentful area in a, you know, tone and begin to repent. God, I'm, I'm tired. I'm sorry that I've done this because your word said it's the willing and obedient that eat the good of the land. Uh, my question for you this morning, are you willing? Are you just doing religious stuff as you want it to happen? Boy, y'all gotten quite, just from a moment ago, 
but you've gotten real quiet. But he said, build me a place. Let those that are willing. And then notice what he said, build me a sanctuary and, and pay close attention to this. He said, I don't want just anything. I, I don't want just anything. Uh, my wife is a little bit like this when it comes to certain things. If, we're, if she's preparing something for somebody, uh, she doesn't want to. I, I'll say, just throw it out there. They'll like it. She'll say, no, I won't know what they want. I want to fix what they want, what they're after. Uh, that's a, not a bad thing, but that's her heart to want to please. So God says, I want you to bring this offering. I want you to build this place, but I want you to build according to the pattern. In other words, God said, I've already chose it. I've already picked it out. I know how it's going to work. And matter of fact, God says it like this. I'm already done. Did you realize that the moment you were born, God was already finished with your destiny? He was already finished with your purpose. Most of us are looking at God like this. God, I want you to point the way. Show me what to do. But God's really on the other side and said, I've already laid it out. Just keep looking at me and come this way. That's why he says, I'm the alpha. I'm the omega. I'm the beginning and the end. And if you're in that spot, you're struggling about where you're going. Maybe you need to realize that God is already finished and God is saying, hey, come this way. He's already done everything that you and I have desired. I got news for you. Even in end time stuff, the rapture, the second coming when the, the you know, the, what is called the millennial reign and all, it's already complete in God. God's not on this side of it. He's on that side of it, watching us walk through everything that's going on in the earth. He's not moved by what's going on in Israel. He's not moved by the torment in your life. He's not moved by what you're facing and what you're dealing with. He's already on the other side. That's why he says, I'm alpha and I'm omega. I'm beginning and end. And he's everything in between. So he said, okay, I've already seen it. Build it according to pattern. Now, I know I've got some builders in here. I know Pastor Scott's a builder, builds homes, and I know many others have done the very same thing. And I have yet to see one of you guys walk out into the field with a backhoe and just start digging. I've got power. I've got anointing. I've got gifting, so I'm going to start digging. And I believe if I dig enough, a house is going to come up. I don't think it works that way because you could dig your way to China and never have a house. Some of you want to go so deep, you're so deep, you don't even know where you are because you're digging without a purpose. You're digging without a plan. You're going somewhere without seeing what God sees. So you got to have a pattern. We used to go to the grocery stores. I still like to look at those books. I'll go online. I get all these things on Facebook of barn dominiums and these homes. And I go, to, man, I'd like looking at that stuff. I'm thinking this house would be perfect for us. Could we build it? Could we do it? But the only way it's going to be perfect is that we build it according to pattern. 
And all through the word, God has given a pattern for every area of your life for you to be victorious, for you to be successful, for you and I to walk in all of his fullness. And I'm going to say it like this, to even be protected from all the junk that's going on in the earth. Let me give five, I want to give you five patterns found through the word real quickly. I got to do it quick. So I want you to follow with me. Remember what he said. He said, I want you to build according to the pattern. Now, let me give you a definition of pattern. Got ahead of myself for a moment. A pattern simply means, it's a means, it means a structure. Boy, that's something we don't like because we Pentecostal charismatics, we love freedom. And we think freedom is us bouncing off the wall and doing whatever we want when we feel it. We call that freedom. That's not necessarily freedom. That's just you doing what you like. But freedom a lot of times has structure. If I want to stay, you know, many of you, well, some of you will know that my foot can get heavy. Okay? When I'm in the car, no more than the rest of you. No more. I had to go to Dexter last night for a meeting. I had to stop and get fuel. I thought I was running behind. I wasn't paying attention. Honestly, I got back up on the interstate and Scott, before I could turn around, I'm sitting there. I'm at 90 miles an hour. Now I know y'all don't ever do it. Please forgive me, God. I broke the law. But if I had got stopped at that moment, I could get upset with the officer. I could scream at him, holler at him. But what happened? I broke the structure that was meant to keep me protected and keep money in my pocket. Hello? I got down real quick, believe me. Just about 80. (laughs) But he said it's a structure. It's a model. It's a resemblance. It's a figure. It's a form. It's a likeness. It's a similitude. You go further. When God gave him his plan, remember, God spoke to Moses. You build according to pattern that he's gotten on the mountain. And in Numbers chapter 8, just for reference, now the workmanship of the lampstand was hammered uh, gold from its uh, shaft to its flowers. Was it hammered? Work according to the pattern which the Lord had given Moses. That lampstand was representing, wait a minute, watch this. It was representing Holy Spirit. He could have talked about the table. He could have talked about the tent, but he talked about the lampstand because the lamp gives us direction. And he said, the lampstand has been hammered according, has been made according to the pattern that God had given Moses. Another definition for a pattern is simply this, a view, something seen or the act of seeing, an appearance the thing seen or to see or sight. In Exodus chapter 25 and verse 40, the scripture declares, God said, he said, and see to it that you make it according to the pattern. Paul said it in one place. You don't know what to do. Talking to new believers, talking to those that are just coming up. You don't know what to do. He said, those things that you have seen, this is Philippians chapter four, I believe it's eight and nine. Those things that you have seen, those things that you have heard, those things that you've learned of me, just do it. Because it's successful. It's working. I've been in the plan of God. He said in another place, he couldn't say it any better. Follow me as I follow God. 
And he said it so plainly and so clearly. So I want to give you five patterns. It was started from the very beginning. God said, I want you blessed. If I asked everybody in this room if you wanted to be blessed, I guarantee you every one of them, every one of us would say that. Every one of us would say, I just want to be blessed. I want to walk in the fullness of God. You know, that's what God always planned for mankind. So how did God do it? The pattern is found in Genesis chapter one. And God created man in his image and after his likeness created he them, male and female. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, increase, have dominion over all the things of the earth. So here's the pattern, be like Jesus. I mean, it's that simple. You've got to have a desire. God, I want to be the man and want to be the woman that you called me to be. And if I am, because God said, I'm blessed. It was, Pastor, when you started that I am this morning, and then who knows, with Piedad came up and done an I am thing. I, I, had on my, I had on my desk, I almost went and got it before you ever got there. I wrote out, I was watching Joel Osteen the other day. I know some of y'all think he's not there, but I do. And I was watching him, and they lead their people in an I am. Right in the middle of there, and I love what he said. He said, all I'm doing, having you repeat this, is bringing you in line, back in line, who God said you were. I've got that. We're going to use that. Somehow I'm going to adapt it for the next year. We're, we're going to start declaring, I am. I am the anointed. I am the blessed of God. I am a son. I am a daughter. I am successful. I am wise. I am fruitful. I am. I could keep going on. But what happened? Why aren't I? Because man sinned against God. He sinned against the Lord. And when he did... He lost sight of who he was. And he forgot the voice that told him who he was. He started listening to another voice that was always condemning. Didn't I hear Miss Piedad say this morning, there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ? I'm saying to all my friends in here, there's not a, you know, there's a lot of books on how to be successful and be blessed, but I'm telling you, there's a number one bestseller that's always been and never will change, and it's always the same, and he's already told me how to live blessed. I gotta choose, and it's a choice. Remember, God said, let those that are willing. It's a choice you're gonna make. I'm choosing. I just got a problem. Now I got to deal with thorns and thistles. Even though, even though redemption came and God made a plan, he said the seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent, looks at the man and says, now thorns and thistles shall this earth bring to you. So I got to deal with thorns and thistles, although I'm redeemed. But if I can keep in mind I'm redeemed, the thorns and thistles can't stop me. Hello, I believe the thorns and thistles are the accusation, just bringing it up here right here, you could see something deeper, uh, is, is the accusations of the enemy always saying, but he's always throwing your butt in your face. That's what's behind you is what I'm talking about. He's talk, always throwing your past up in your face so that you can't grasp who you really are in present. Hello? So there's a pattern if you want to be blessed. Let me give you the second one real quick. 
You want to stay safe. You want to be in a safe. There's stuff coming on the earth. There's judgment coming on the earth. There are these things. I heard one of the major prophets. I just caught my attention the other day, Perry Stone. He said, I feel like I got to give a warning to the body of Christ because America is still holding on to this abortion issue and will not put this thing under our feet and say it's, it's, it is, you know, it is not of the Lord. He said, God's going to deal with America. And he said, I just felt like I need not to put us in fear, but so that we will know the things coming. In the book of Genesis 6, I got to do this real quick so I won't read every verse. The Bible said that God had saw creation and, and everything that was happening and man's hearts were continuously evil and getting worse. And it came to a spot that God said, I've repented that I've made man. Boy, you talk about a, a note for God to say about his... I'm sorry, I made you guys. You guys are made, bringing me more grief and more trouble than I could. So what did God do? God said, I'm going to judge the earth. I'm going to purge that out. But there was one righteous man. Because you have to understand something. Redemption was at work. Why? Listen, if you don't think God works through the whole Bible, why was Noah... And his family saved. One purpose. Because they were not unlike any of the rest of the people. But God had a carrier of the seed. That would carry the seed into the future. And see the fullness of redemption. And the plan that he always made. But God told Noah. Is that who I said? Did I say Moses or Noah? I get him messed up all the time. He said, Noah. I want you to build me a boat. Nothing like it had ever been built. Tells him exactly how big to build it. Tell him how many floors, how many rooms. Some of you have been to the ark experience. Maybe you saw this. God tells him, he said, Noah, Noah, do this. It takes him 120 years to build this boat. Can you imagine being faithful to God for 120 years of not really knowing why you're building it other than you've heard from God and day after day and you're hearing people ridicule you, you're under persecution, you're under all kinds of things and yet you've got this responsibility to build a boat. And the day came, this is what the word said in Genesis, go read the story that Moses finished according to all that God told him to do and God gave an announcement. He said, get yourself, get your family, and I'm bringing some animals into the boat. And there came a moment in Genesis 6, 16. Can you put that up there for me? I think that's the verse. It says, you shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to the cubit from above. And is, was that it? No, that's not it. That's the wrong. It's, it's not your fault. It's my fault. It's the last verse, I believe. Uh, is that verse 16? No, just let me tell the story. Y'all go read it. But then it said, after all the animals come in, this is what God did. God shut the door. Now, how did the boat endure? Was it because of what it was made out of? Because I'm going to tell you, this is a storm because rain is coming down from above and the water said even the earth is opening up the, the, the wells and the, and the oceans that were literally in the belly of the, of the earth. God caused it all to open up from below and coming down from beneath and nothing like this has ever happened before. How could this boat endure? 
That ark is a representation of Jesus. That if you and I will find ourselves in him, I know we Pentecostals think that every time we blow it, that we've backslid, that we have lost our salvation. But I want to tell you something. There's a tattoo. No, I better not say it because that's too cheap. There is a mark in God's hand that God said you are ever engraved on my hand. And what that mark is, is the nail prints of the cross that Jesus took our sins and our iniquity, past, present, and future. And if I will put my faith in him and put my life in him. I can be protected from any judgment coming upon this earth. I believe that with all my heart. It's a pattern for you and I to follow. Here's the third one. Here's the third one. I just shared it with you out of the book of Exodus. I'm not going to read all those passages of scripture again. But, but if you want to live a life where you're going to dwell, that Ark of the Covenant that moved in represented the presence, the power, and the provision of God. I don't think it's any magic thing if we do. I think sometimes we're working so hard for some... Guys, when are y'all going to stop and just believe me? When are y'all going to stop and just believe what I've said and trust me? If you'll do what I tell you to do, I'll always be with you. I'll manifest my presence among you. I'll show you my power. I'll show you my provision. I'll take care of it. If you will just try. Well, we're not praying enough. Well, we're not seeking enough. We're not hungry enough. I don't know if I can get hungry enough, to be honest, to do what he's already told me I had. That's kind of crazy. But this is what he said. This is basically what he's saying, that path through that path. He said, I just want you to set yourself apart from me. I just want you to live in my word and believe me. I just want you to get filled with my Holy Spirit, commune with him. I just want you to worship me. And lastly, he said, I just want you to come to me with anything you have need of. I believe in a God of unlimited power. You, you, I, I believe that. A God of unlimited power. That's one of our values of our church. Here, I don't even know where I'm at. Here's the fourth thing. This is probably something all well, I, want, I just want to do something for God and I want to be effective. I'm going to land here and worship team can come back. Make their way back. This, this, this is what God said. It's a pattern. I want to, that's probably a number one thing beyond being blessed. I, I want to, I want to do something great for God. I just want to, man, I want to touch people for God. I want God to use me. I want to feel that God can do something great with me. We make it really hard. We really do. We see these testimonies of a few, and they're, they're really few among the, the many. But we hear these testimonies of these guys that come out of prison you know, you, you know, we, we, got, we got two people back here, LaDawn and what's her name? Jennifer back there. Got the name right, I think. They've shared their testimony in this church. Oh, good night. I, I mean, both of them, God has delivered. God has brought them through some of the most horrendous things. I, I mean, they shared it a couple years ago here at the church. God, I hadn't done any of that. I'm a church kid. I just went to church. 
I didn't murder anybody. I, I didn't beat anybody. I didn't drink. I didn't drug. I didn't cheat. I didn't steal. I, I, God, I'm just the church. How can I do something great? You know, he never asked for any of that. He just, by his grace, got us out of that. But he didn't put you through that to give you a testimony. But he brought you out so that you will now use a testimony. Hello? But in John chapter 13, he gives us a pattern. He knows his time has come. Knows that the, that the devil has, has filled the heart of Judas. He knows and he's in this upper room with his disciples. He's having this last meal with them. And he rises from the table, takes off his cloak, picks up a towel, and one by one he walks around and he begins to wipe the feet of those people. He just begins to wipe feet. Man, what a job. What a job. Wiping dirty feet that's walked through camel dung, sheep dung, dirt. Can you imagine? Think. I mean, they didn't have your nice pair of Nikes or whatever shoe you got on. Their toes were all cruddy. Toenails hadn't been trimmed. And Jesus gets down. And one by one, even the one that would betray, that one always blew me away. If he knew, I'd pass you by, Joker, because you're getting ready to cause me trouble. But instead, if I recall the story right, Jesus washed all the feet of the disciples. He said, you want to be great for me? You want to do something great? Then humble yourself and become a servant. Just begin to serve people. Just begin to help them get the stuff off of them. There's some people in this room this morning, I promise you, have got stuff on them. Because they've been through stuff. I'm not talking about past stuff. Maybe they went through something this week. Maybe they've, maybe they struggled. I, I, I had a call the other day from a pastor in a, another town was telling me, about somebody that's close to me and Diane that we know real well. That <clears throat> And he was sharing with me an event that just happened. He said, this guy's been in his church. He's played on his platform. He's done all of these things. And, and one night he just decides, for whatever reason, he goes from work to a bar. And he gets drunk. And he creates issues. Then he leaves that bar, goes to another one across towns and creates more issues. Until now, they call the police on him. The police invite him outside. Of course, you know what happens when they get him outside. You're going to jail, Joker. I mean, wait a minute. This is a church kid. This is somebody that knows. And for whatever reason, pastor asked him, why did you do that? I don't know. And then it wasn't but a week later leaving his job, one of his buddies that were ahead of him, the police had pulled him over for some reason. And he decides he's going to stop and he's going to straighten these cops out. And he begins to scream and holler and say, hey, that guy hadn't done anything wrong. He creates a commotion. Five different sheriff cars have now have responded to the scene and they throw him on the ground. 
And now he's convinced that the sheriff's department is wrong. I'm telling you, good people get into stuff. I put a call through to him. Pastor put a call through. Not just put a call through. Pastor sat down with him. Others did the same thing. Why? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. Sometimes we think, if I could just do, grow out an arm. Man, God's going to, I want to grow out arms. Sure I do. You do too. But I haven't seen too many doing that lately. I know it's happening, but I just hadn't. But in the meantime, I think there's a place that I can start. Because there's people in this room this morning need encouragement. Maybe you and your spouse had the biggest argument and fight you've ever had last night and on the way to church, but you come in and got your Holy Ghost face on, and so nobody can see it. Y'all know we do that. Or maybe it's like the young lady that called me or messaged me the other day asking us, we're close to them and know how they are. Hey, asking us how we're doing. I'm saying, how you're doing? And her response was, well, I'm, I'm trying to make it. I have no money. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to deal with Christmas for my family. I don't know what we're going to do. I just said, come on, you can make this. Her response back to me was simply this. Well, tell me how. You know, I had to be honest with you. You can go ahead and play. I, at the, honestly, at the moment, I had to say, I really don't know. I had to be honest. I, I don't know what to do at the moment. But I do know one that does know what to do. And that can provide for you. See, if we would just simply, how can I encourage somebody? How can I lift somebody up? That's our call, church. That's a pattern. Jesus said, as you've, if I've done these things to you as your teacher... Now do it. Just do it. Nobody has to see you. Nobody has to know what you're doing. Huddle house the other day with our guys. Little lady waits on us. Her son was a young man in a football game, I think with Jackson. Took a bad hit to his leg. And I think I think leg's supposed to work like this, but I think after that hit, it worked the other way. And she said they had eight pins in that leg. And he's got like three or four months. He can't do anything. And here's this mama at work trying to make ends meet, pay bills. And her son at home in pain. And I don't know. I'm sure there was somebody there care for him. But you know that weighs on her. So we just simply, just in a moment, just grabbed her hand. Let's pray real quickly. God heal him. Watch over and take care of him. I don't know how many times me and pastor sit together at coffee. That happens. There's always somebody you can wash their feet. There's people around you, your family, friends, even your enemies. You know, sometimes when you see people angry, they may be angry for, a, for something you really don't know what's going on. And it's deep. I said in a meeting last night with a brother that he's, he's 80-something. I think he said he was 85. I think that's what he said. And he's losing his sight like your dad. And, but he travels the world and does ministry. And he said one of the things years ago God asked him, he said, I'm anointing you to heal the brokenhearted. 
So he said, ever since I heard that, he said, the first thing I asked, he said, you have a broken heart. And he said, of out of all the thousands that he's ministered to, only one said no. But he said, most of the people that come, he said, I'm hurt. I'm broken. I need to be healed. There's so much ministry to do that you can do. That you can do. Here's the last thing. It was the last command Jesus gave out of that same picture. Jesus said, a new commandment I'm giving you. A brand new one. And here it is. That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you love also one another. Go to the next verse. And by this all will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. I'm, I'm going to do at some point a message on that further because I believe there's an expression. How do we do that? How do we love one another? You know, one of the things the Lord has quickened in my heart, I shared it with Pastor the other day at coffee, shared it with our prayer team yesterday. It come up in my spirit again. Church as a family and as a church, we got to get rid of the strife. We just got to get rid of it. All the strife. And you may not think it's here. It's the first thing Paul dealt with with the church was the strife. And sometimes we don't realize how it creeps up. Well, I don't like this. I don't like that. This is how I think it ought to be done. This is what I feel. And as a pastor, we're doing our best as a leadership to say, God, I want to know that we're following you. We have to get rid of the strife. I think strife can be connected from stuff we're paying attention to outside that we don't realize that comes in. And it grieves the spirit of things. It grieves God. That's what the Lord was saying while ago through Piedad about when we come to that place of pure unity that all of a sudden the holiness and the glory of God begins to manifest. God said, I want to dwell. I want a people that will host my presence. I want to do more than what you've ever imagined. And I want to do it for you individually. Are you willing to let him do it?